Well, Father, we just thank you again for this day we get to celebrate together with you. And just the sense of fellowship and family in your presence, Lord. We thank you so much for that, this time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, welcome again. Uh, this, is, this is a blessing uh, for me. I haven't, this is a, yeah, it's been a while since I've preached. And so we were actually going to do this, um, what we're going to do today when Mark Verker was here. For those of you who don't know, uh, I've been in the middle of a series, a spirit series, and um, the first major part we talked about the eschatological perspective, the framework of the New Testament, understanding the spirit and how important he is in this context of understanding the whole New Testament. Uh, also, then the, la- the last part of the series we've been t- dealing with uh, conversion, the spirit's role in Christian conversion and salvation. And now um, I'm uh, transitioning into life in the spirit, okay? And this is like really, really uh, such a crucial part of uh, what we're called to be in the New Testament as, as believers, that we're called to be led by the spirit, that we're no longer under the law. And this is such a message that uh, Trisha and I just burn for, that we have such a passion for. And the reason is because of what the Lord did in our, in our own lives uh, together and independently uh, has given us this realization and this passion for how crucial being led by the Spirit is. Uh, and in fact, uh, I was talking about George Fox earlier, he had that revelation as well, how crucial, how crucial being led by the Spirit is uh, in the New Covenant. And so, um, and he got tremendously persecuted for that. But we, we I, what I wanted to do is, and it was really appropriate when Mark Verkler was here, uh, what he talked about, because that's really the application of how do you be led by the Spirit? How do you hear God's voice, right? It, it's the second value in the FIRE values, intimacy with God, the I and the FIRE acronym, through communion with God. And so Trish and I just have such a passion for intimacy with the Lord, with intimacy with the Holy Spirit, in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the last verse in that book, says, Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the fellowship of the Holy or the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And so the role of the Holy Spirit is really, uh, in the New Testament, that part of the intimacy with God that we all get to participate in. And it's a real and it's a living relationship. And so a lot of people... Um, have, I mean, inevitably ask us, okay, how in the world did Catch the Fire Ottawa happen? Uh, and what's your story? Like, who are you guys? And, you know, the Bible says to know those who labor among you. And so it's a good thing sometimes to know the background, where we come from, who we are. And so some of you have heard our story. Um, some of you haven't. Some of you heard bits and pieces. Because usually when someone asks that, I'm like, it's a long story. And it really is. And, and it can be. And so um, today we want to share some of that story. And for me, I'm just kind of being spontaneous about it, asking the Lord, okay, help me here because um, this could take hours and it won't. But give, you know, give me the highlights, what you want me to say, just to give a coherent story so that you guys get at least the, the highlights in how lo- the Lord made this all come about. And remember, this is in the context of life in the Spirit, um, being led by the Spirit, because... If you're led by the Spirit, then, then you know that's, that's how you can be in God's will. You know that prayer in Colossians 1, 9 through 14, it says, May the Lord fill you with the knowledge of his will 
through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. That's his role because we have that relationship. Jesus said part of his ministry is that he'll lead us into all truth. Okay, so one of the number one prayer requests I get, and I'm sure Tricia would say the same, is I want to know God's will for my life, right? How do I do that? And that's the point, is being led by the Spirit is how you know God's will for your life. It's all about relationship with God. Um, And so we want to talk a little bit about our journey in this, uh, through this testimony today, um, not just in remembrance in this Thanksgiving, but also just, uh, you know, so you guys know who we are and why we're so passionate about this. Good. All right. Yeah. So I want to just, you, you guys actually, I wasn't here, but Trisha talked about her testimony last week, and that's awesome, right? Her salvation testimony. Um, I haven't really shared that publicly here, I don't think, but I shared some of my journey in this. If you're interested, the first message I ever spoke here uh, was about how asking, seeking, and knocking, the revelation, and how the Lord just came through, you know, in Luke 11, uh, uh, 1 through 13, and Jesus says, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Okay, and so if you're interested, you can listen to that. The last, like, 10 or 15 minutes, I give this, this story about how I started encountering God uh, dramatically in 2007, February 2nd, 2007, I had a dramatic encounter with the Holy Spirit, five hours, speaking in tongues, and that literally changed my life. Mom and Dad know that story well, because they're... And that changed everything for me. It was after that point that I was, I really was like, man, God is so real. God is so real that I'm just going to give everything to him. I'm going to live completely for him, you know, and, and I meant it from my heart. Like before that, I probably could have said it, but maybe not meant it, but I meant it because it's like, this is so real. What's the point other than to give it all and live fully for the Lord? You know, that's, that's what it's all about. So my life really changed in a lot of ways, 180 degrees uh, when I encountered God. And that's why we're so passionate about the, the importance of encountering God. And I hope for those of you who've been in this series have realized how scriptural that really is. It's not just something that we like because, you know, we're part of Catch the Fire. No, this is how the early church operated. It's a living reality, a relationship with God through his Holy Spirit. But anyway, what happened, and, and I'm going to try and be short. This is hard for me because I'm tempted to, of course, go on all these stories. But essentially what happened after I had that encounter in 2007, over 10 years ago, um, God basically took me up on that. If you want to say something, a, a dangerous prayer is, God, use me however you want. And, and he'll take you up on it if you mean it. And he did. Um, he he uh, after that, I was in a season of just dramatic, life-changing encounters, one after another after another. And if I had time, I'd tell you about them, but I want to just highlight some specific ones that are really related to what we're talking about today. Uh, about, actually, I know when it was, June 2007 is the first time I went to Toronto, Catch the Fire Toronto. And I had such a dramatic, life-changing encounter there. Um, that this is a 070707, okay? Because Trisha was with an intern with Lou Engel at the time, and through these encounters, the Lord took me to Nashville, and at the time, I never met her, but she was an intern at the time, with Lou, putting on this stadium event, the call, uh, Nashville, resurrecting that, and there was 70-something thousand people there. Um, 
so anyway, in this, in this time period, the Lord's really, really just, I, I ended up having like this two-week encounter. <laughs> I first went to Toronto shaking and everything for, it lasted like a, a couple of weeks. And then the Lord uh, l- led this guy to call me. I didn't even know him. He said, hey, my, our mutual friend, Adrian, uh, said you might be interested in going to Toronto. There's a Canada Day conference there, 2007. And I was like, yes, because I, that was like a couple weeks after I had uh, first been there and had all these dramatic encounters and stuff. And so I went there. And again, when I went there, during worship, I had this crazy encounter. People <laughs> put a Canada flag over me during worship and said, release this guy into his destiny. And then I was out on the ground shaking and rolling and you name it. And it was that night when Fatine Crisco and a whole bunch of prophetic people, Stacey Campbell, Kenny Blacksmith, were all prophesying over Canada. And the Lord spoke to me and said, this week, I want you to go down to Nashville. And I just laughed at that. Because I, I not laughed, but I was like, how am I going to do that? I'm going to school. I don't have a way there, blah, blah, blah. So I just kind of brushed it off. But when it, what ended up happening that night is the last night of the conference, Saturday night. Turns out April Stevenson put on that conference. I found that out like a couple of years ago. I didn't know that at the time. Later on, they said, okay, we're going to anoint your feet with oil, and that's representing your calling. Okay, they're going to pray for your destiny. And so what they did is they called everyone up after uh, the service, and, and uh, they had a bunch of prayer people, including all the uh, speakers, who would pray over your feet. And the interesting thing is, um, through a long story, I ended up getting prayer from Rob Parker, the National House of Prayer. And I knew who he was because I was watching the Miracle Channel like a month earlier, and he was on there. I'm like, hey, you're Rob Parker. I know you. But anyway, I, I took off my shoes, and he, he was on his knees. He anointed my feet with oil. And uh, I don't even know what he prayed because, like, he was, like, kind of whispering. And I just flew backwards. Like, Holy Spirit hit me. I flew backwards, bam, on the ground. And um, I had this crazy dramatic encounter for hours. Okay, like they had, to, <laughs> they had to wheelchair me out of there because I was like flipping, flopping, speak, like you name it. To this day, one of the most dramatic encounters I ever had. And at midnight, the security guard, I was still on the ground like having this encounter, was like, uh, we, sorry, we're tr- closing the church. We have to somehow get you out of here. And I couldn't get up. And so they're like, oh, we have Heidi Baker's wheelchair here. So they got it. I guess in Toronto, they had a resident wheelchair for her. Uh, they got it and wheelbarrowed me or wheelchaired me out of there. <laughs> but all that to say, right when that happened, okay, rewind, when he prayed for me and I fell, uh, Rob Parker came up to me and started prophesying to me. And he said, you're called to preach the gospel. And he kept saying that. And you see, I couldn't respond because I'm shaking, speaking in tongues a mile a minute. I could not respond. But in my mind, I was like, preach the gospel. Like, like, you have to understand, that thought never, ever, 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 ever entered my mind. Any kind of ministry. You guys <laughs> would probably be able to test that. I, I was like, I'm like, like, never. Um, okay, now, and also, on top of that, I'm a, I'm a graduate student at the University of Waterloo, okay? That was my first year, and I'm going to school to get my PhD to be a professor in psychology. So I was like... Preach the gospel? That's like, what are you talking about? I'm, I'm a psychologist. What? You know, like, I was just like, pfft. 
But that night, like, Rob kept prophesying that, and other people were praying, like, impartation for a whole bunch of stuff and whatever. And so anyway, it ended up being a couple-hour encounter. A few days later, the Lord actually, <laughs> long story short, I got to cut, uh, but uh, took me to Nashville. It's a whole long story. I could tell you someday um, how that all came about. But Rob Parker saw me again a few nights later because he was part of the launch meeting for that. And he, he saw me. I was encountering God again on the ground. And he's like, we're praying for you. You're called to preach the gospel. We're praying for you. And I was like, wow. Now, after that, this is really neat how the Lord did this. My parents, uh, uh, their church in Dauphin, because I was going to visit them uh, shortly after, a couple weeks after that, um, and were inviting me to give a testimony about Nashville, like how the Lord took me down there and what happened and stuff. And they had no idea all this other stuff that happened. Mike and Debbie Bolton, the past, their old pastors. And so um, they ended up inviting me to preach that week, not knowing that I just had this prophetic word about preaching. Like a week later, I'm getting an invitation to preach, and I was like, this is crazy. Like the Lord's confirming this, you know, it's wild. So I went and gave the testimony and the message the Lord gave me through Nashville, because there's this whole prophetic encounter. It's a long story. But anyway, what's interesting is a month later, I go to Stratford, I end my, my vacation early to go to this week-long school of the prophets that people were telling me to go to who went with us to Nashville. John and Patricia Bootsma were putting it on, okay? I didn't know who they were at the time because they were the pastors there. Now, if you don't know, the church in Stratford Jubilee Christian Fellowship was the mother church of Toronto. John and Carol Arnott planted it in the 80s, and then they planted Toronto, and the revival happened. So that was the original church they planted. So anyway, I went there, and it ended up being this week-long, like, intense prophecy from a whole bunch of different people about, you know, my calling to preach the gospel. One really, really significant thing happened, and it just so happened that Todd Bentley was preaching in London, Ontario, okay, that same week. And we went to the sermon, or one of the night meetings, and uh, I'm going to say this part, because it's by this time, see, what happened... When I first went to Toronto and I started having these dramatic encounters, one of the things that happened to me sovereignly was that I started being able to hear God's voice like way beyond uh, I ever had before. It was an answer to prayer because I'd been praying for it for months. And then it just, it was like through an encounter, I started being able to hear God's voice a lot clearly. And that's how I ended up going to, to Nashville and stuff because the Lord started speaking to me really clearly. So I learned by then, this like early on, how important it is to just follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, even when it makes no sense, because often it doesn't. Often it makes no sense. It's like, okay, whatever. Like, what do you, okay. But obeying, then it makes sense. You're like, wow, okay, I can see why you told me to do that. So this is an important thing I learned early on. So what happened is when I went to Todd Bentley's meeting that week, I went there during worship, and this is already in the midst of an amazing week of, like, dramatic encounters and stuff. And the, I was, like, on this side of a stage during worship, and the Lord told me, go stand over there. He, he showed me exactly where to stand. It was on the other side of the stage. No reason. It made no sense, right? There's like, okay, I'll just obey. So I went and walked right where he told me to stand, and as soon as I stood there, he hit me, and I started having this crazy, crazy encounter, okay? Like, throughout the entire worship, like, every uh, shaking, everything on the ground, throughout announcements, Todd starts preaching, I'm still there encountering God. Then about 10 minutes within the, in the sermon, Todd stops his message and points to me. 
I don't see this because I'm like encountering God uh, dramatically, but he says, I pick up this guy right here, this young guy. I have a word for him. It's a good word. So he had to get a couple people to pick me up, and I'm shaking. I can't even. But then he prophesies over me for like three minutes about my calling, about my destiny in front of everyone. And he said a lot of stuff. To this day, it's one of the foundational words of my life. One of the things he said, you're called, the main thing, you're called to preach the gospel. Remember, this is like a month after Rob Parker first said that, and that was totally out of my realm of like, preach the gospel. But when that happened, like I was probably already convinced, but it was like, wow. Yeah, confirmation. There is a bunch of stuff to that word, but one of the main things, you're called to preach the word, prepare yourself, all this stuff. Uh, And I was like, and then after that, I was still at the school of prophets. People kept confirming it who'd never even heard that word. A whole bunch of different facets of that word were confirmed from a whole bunch of different people. And that whole week, I'm like, whoa, like this is like God's really calling me to preach the gospel, even though I had no (laughs) thought of that before all this. And within the next few months, he kept confirming it through prophetic words of people. So I was just like, okay, I'm called to preach the gospel. I'm just surrendering to that. What's the logical thing here to do? Because I'm going to grad school to get my PhD to be a psychologist. Would it not make sense for me to quit and like go to Bible school or something? Right? So I, I like that's a, that was a serious, like, what do I do with all this? Am I totally missing it or what? But... But no, the Lord actually, through different people, and during that initial encounter for five hours, when I first got tongues on February 2nd, six months before this or so, the Lord told me, you're doing what I want you to do. You are where I want you to be. So I knew I was supposed to be there, but it's hard to reconcile all this, right? Like, it's like, what does getting a PhD in psychology have to do with anything to do with ministry? It doesn't, logically. But through different people, the Lord said, no, you're supposed to get your PhD first. And I was just like, okay, I guess that's what I'm doing then. Okay, it makes no sense. So I just stood, stuck with it. But the cool thing about that, and it makes sense in retrospect, I learned so much during that season, but one of the things that is so precious to me is it was really a season of like intimacy with God, encountering God. Like there was so many things that the Lord was uh, doing in my life during those years that in retrospect, I was like, that, I could not have had that season had I not been a, been a grad student at that time. Like all my spare time, essentially, I spent with the Lord and stuff. And I built such a foundation of intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Every time I went to Toronto for the first couple of years, because I didn't have a car, so it wasn't that often, but conference and stuff, I had literally a life-changing encounter every single time. Um, you know, and so God was just forming me, transforming me. And I think part of it is because I was in compromise for a lot of years. Okay. And, and so I think the Lord, when he, when I said, when I surrendered, said, okay, I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do, Lord. You know, he was catching me up, I think. He took me up and I said, okay. And it's like a fast, fast track, like bam, bam, bam. This is where you're supposed to be. And you weren't here because of, but now that, that you finally surrendered, I can actually take you up on that and get you to where you're supposed to be. So I'm not sure if that was the case. That's my hypothesis of why I had that season of dramatic encounters. But in retrospect, like I said, the Lord was forming something so precious in my life. One of the things that happened is a year later, how many of you heard of the Lakeland Revival? In 2008. That's right, Lakeland, Florida. Yeah, 
And Todd Bentley was, was the main catalyst of that, okay? Remember, he's the one who prophesied over me just in 2007. This is a few months later, six or eight months later. April 2008. And this is going international on God TV. People are flocking from all over the world. Nothing like this happened probably since the 90s. Thousands and thousands of people, nightly meetings, crazy healings. I mean, there, I remember there was a night when I think it was 46 people in a wheelchair got walking, raised from wheelchairs. It was amazing. The Lord spoke to me early on in that, and he said, and he was really specific. And remember, I, I've learned by now, if he says something, you just do it, right? It's, uh, and, and he said, I want you to go to Lakeland, July 16th through the 22nd, okay? So I was like, whoa, that's really specific. He must have a reason for that, <laughs> right? So I just booked my flights. Like, you don't even know. This is early. Like, this is May. You don't even know if it's going to still be happening. But I was like, well, the Lord told me, so I'm going to go. So I ended up going, and what happened is this lovely, amazing uh, wife, <laughs> who wasn't my wife at the time, was there, living there and for the summer, in the campground, like right beside, like probably a mile from the, the revival tent, she is living there. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, go ahead. No, I just want to say it was so cool because they had... Uh campground and it was seriously like a mile from the uh revival and so uh, and it's florida so you don't have to worry about it being too cold i mean maybe you wake up sweating but at least you're not freezing and so um you're camping and there's showers and people would come for a few days and they'd have extra food so they would just leave it there so like you had food and shelter and showers and like everything you needed so i was like and my friends were there too because they'd come from all over the world to go to this revival so we're like we might as well just camp out for two months and walk every day a mile to the revivals. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. So, yeah. And what's neat about it is Trisha was at IHOP, and the Lord told her before the revival happened to go to Lakeland when it was just a conference, before the revival was even a thing. It, was, there was, it started with a conference. But anyway, we met there and had a dramatic encounter together for like two days straight. No sleep. It was amazing. And so I was only there for six days, though, so after I flew home, I, you can't help but pray about, okay, that was unique. Like our connection we had and the way the Lord moved when we met and everything was not normal. Okay, it just wasn't. We had never experienced God like that on our own, I don't think, I, for me anyway, than we did together. Yeah. And so um, I, I couldn't help but pray about it, right? Like, Lord, like, you know, like was... Whatever I prayed, like is is should like is she more than just like a friend or whatever I prayed, and all he what I do remember is all he told me was this: you're gonna minister together someday. That's it, nothing more than that. And so all I said was, okay, Lord, um, she lives in the U.S. I live in Canada. I'm getting my PhD. You have to make that happen. That's it, because it's like I I'm not gonna make that happen, you know. But, but I didn't go, see, this is important. I didn't go beyond that word. I did not assume we're going to be anything more than that because the Lord never said anything more than that. You, you see what I'm saying? You don't want to be presumptuous. So I was just like, okay, we're going to minister together someday. Don't know what that means. I'm not going to assume that means we're going to be in any sort of uh, marriage or anything. And so we just, uh, you know, we're long-distance friends for several years. Uh, just email once in a while, sometimes more often than others, like sometimes it'd be like we wouldn't hear from each other in like six, for six months or so, but we were friends, long distance, 
just totally friendship. And what's really neat is about two and a half years before I, uh, I got my PhD, the Lord spoke to me and he said, after you get your PhD, I want you to go to Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry for two years. Okay? Now, like, so I, so I was kind of like, cool, but why Bethel? <laughs> like, we could, I could go to Toronto. It's just down the, an hour from me at the time, or IHOP or Morningstar. Why Bethel? But he was clear, Bethel. No, it's Bethel. And I was like, okay. Again, I learned you just got to obey. I failed to mention this, but what's interesting is early on, the Lord told me at some point I'm going to be doing full-time ministry in Ottawa. I had never even been to Ottawa at the time. He told me, he started speaking to me about that roughly 2007, shortly after I had these encounters. But I actually have a journal entry in 2008, January 28, where it, actually, where it was clear the Lord said, you know, yada, 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 at some point I'm going to be doing full-time ministry in Ottawa. So I was just, again, like, okay, Lord, you're going to have to make that happen. Now, what's really neat is the Lord independently led us to Bethel. So a year before I went, the Lord, are you, are you going to tell us? The, the Lord spoke to her to go, um, but then we reunited when I went in 2011 after I got my PhD. Now, you guys have to understand this. This doesn't make any sense, okay? Because I got a PhD, and if you don't, if you're not in the academic, like, that's, that's what they call academic suicide, Taking any time off when you get your PhD, and if you're not doing research, um, is totally shooting yourself in the foot, unless it's research-related, in terms of getting a job, okay? Not only that, I'm going to a school of supernatural ministry. Okay, so essentially, <laughs> if you don't know this, I'm in psychology, okay? Just, just to give you a grid... I've heard, and I think this is true based on research, that psychology out of every academic discipline has the most atheists other than mathematics. So I'm surrounded by atheists. Like, Christians are the brunt of the jokes. So, so you could imagine if I took a couple years off to go to a supernatural ministry school um, and I applied for a job, yeah, okay, you could imagine, like, I, they'd probably just laugh and not even call me. But not only, so not only alienating myself from that, the most of the Christian schools, think about, you went to a school of supernatural ministry, same reaction, probably, right? Because most schools are really traditional, and in fact, we knew someone at Bethel who was a professor in Old Testament at a, I won't name the college, and when the Lord told her to go there for a year, and they fired her. Because they're like, that does, that, the theology. A lot of people don't like the supernatural, I'll just, if you didn't know that. <laughs> Christians. So anyway, I was like, okay, after I got my PhD, I'm like, okay, Lord, I actually just, here. I went to school for 10 years, okay? But I'm going to be obedient. This is yours, right? It's like, pff, this PhD is yours, whatever. I, I, I leave it in your hands. Because in the natural... Uh, I'm shooting myself. I'm doing academic suicide here by going to Bethel. But, I, like, I just want to do whatever the Lord's will is. Okay? So I basically surrendered my PhD and was like, okay, this is yours, whatever. It makes no sense, but okay. But what's really cool is six months before, about, uh, before I went to Bethel, the Lord spoke to me and was super clear. He said, I want you to go to Bethel for two years. After two years, I want you to go to Toronto and teach for a season. And I knew he meant psychology. 
And then he said, after that, I want you to go to Ottawa, and at that point, it'll be full-time ministry. Like, really clear. And, it, and, and I don't say this very often, but around Christmas time, before I went to Bethel, the Lord told me, yeah, you're going to get married sooner than you think. And I actually started getting pre-marriage books. I, <laughs> I got to get ready then, if that's the truth. Okay. But <laughs> so, anyway... So, yeah, well, I probably told you, uh, defining the relationship, anyway, long story. That's, uh, so anyway, I go to Bethel knowing this, and the Lord, uh, there's a whole other cool side story about how the Lord blessed me with a condo, and then he told me from the sale of the condo townhouse that it would pay for my next season in life, and sure enough, whole amazing story, if you're interested in getting real estate or something, I can, I, I have a real, like, solid revelation and foundation in my life of God's provision. Because from the sale of that townhouse, it paid exactly for two years of Bethel. Not three. But there was a little bit extra than two years. So I was like, huh, I wonder what that's about. At the time, I didn't know we were getting married, but it ended up paying for our wedding rings and stuff like that. Permanent residence was a couple thousand. So the Lord provided exactly, exactly, exactly what I needed for two years so that when we moved to Toronto, we had ex we just finished spending everything, and then I got a job at Tyndale. But what I want to say at this point is I ended up going to Bethel, and then we reunited. Because Trisha, the Lord independently led her there. And the first time we saw each other in person, <laughs> with, with basically where we finished off in Lakeland, it just started off again, like dramatic Holy Ghost encounters what was phenomenal, though, is that people were encountering God just right off the bat, just being around us and stuff. So right off the bat, we were doing the ministry that the Lord told me we'd do someday. Like, there were times we'd just be getting drunk in the Holy Spirit in the parking lot. We did that very often. People would come. I remember, the, remember that one person came, fell to her knees, weeping and repenting before the Lord, just us sitting there laughing in the Holy Spirit. Because she was super convicted. Turns out she was a movie director or something. It was some going, traveling through. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Other than to say, there was a lot of amazing things that happened at Bethel um, when we got back together. And it was just not, it was like, <laughs> and I'm going to say this. I'm sorry. This is, I'm trying to think of what to say, but I want to say this part. I have these, I have these really amazing prophetic friends, Mel and Denise. You guys know them. And me and Trish would be on Skype conversations, having these prophetic encounters, and the Lord would be speaking to us, like, different things, and it would all be, like, the same thing, and it would be amazing. And this one time, I'm on Skype. This is, like, a month before I go to Bethel, and we just finished this conversation, and my friends came over, and I just, I said something like, uh, you know, I was explaining, oh, that's my Trish, and she's at Bethel, and I'm going to Bethel. And my prophetic friend was like, huh, well, maybe she's, you know, like hinting we're supposed to get married. Maybe she's more than, you know, the one that the Lord has for you. And I just, I brushed it off. I was like, no, no, no. Because I said, I felt the per that the Lord said, I thought that whoever I was going to marry was going to be Canadian. Trisha's American. <laughs> I thought that. So then my prophetic friend said, well, listen, you never know. She could have some heritage in her family line from Canada. And I, I, that's why I brushed it off. I just left. I'm like, what are the odds that an American would have any sort of Canadian lineage? You know what I mean? Like, it just seems unlikely in her ancestry. 
So anyway, the first, so we, we get together at Bethel. This is in the first month, and we're just like encountering God, having a meeting. And so because it was such a special, unique connection we had, you couldn't help but pray. Like, are we supposed to be more than just friends? Because this isn't normal. You know what I mean? Like, there's just something special about what we had. Uh, and so, of course, we're praying about it, praying about it. So the first night that uh, we both remember this, that we were trying to decide whether to basically be, be more than friends, just start dating. Um, I, t- I basically said, okay, okay, you need to know this if, if we're going to date. Because if you're not cool with this, we shouldn't date. And I basically told her, the Lord has been so clear to me. He said that you wanted me to go to Bethel for two years. And after two years, you wanted me to teach psychology for a season. After that, um, would be full-time ministry in Ottawa. Are you okay with this? Because she's American. She'd have to move to Canada. <laughs> Here. So remember, this is the first time we even talked about dating. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was serious. <laughs> it was serious business. <laughs> to say I actually like that. So yeah. Anyway. It's right. We we both. So so she was totally like, yeah, yeah, totally cool. But what's funny is I told her that. I was like, this is so weird. I thought my wife was going to be Canadian. Like I, and you know what she tells me? She's like, oh, my, what is it? You, from your grandma's side, my mom's side has Canadian Blackfoot. Her, one of her ancestors is actually Canadian Blackfoot. Has black, has Canadian, and I was like, no, you have to be kidding me. Because, you know, remember my prophetic friend. I was like, that is just bizarre. <laughs> I mean, it's humorous. It's the Lord, isn't it? It's like, whoa. Yeah. So, so anyway, um, <laughs> so we start dating, long story short. And we end up dating, and we've just, like, we're so passionate about following the Holy Spirit. And Trisha's going to tell you some of her side of it. Do you want to do that now or later? Well, okay, go for it. Just how we would follow the Holy Spirit together, um, even on our dates, because we were in Reading, and so we would just go to, like, we didn't have many places to go, so we would go to Starbucks or, um, <laughs> true. I guess they didn't have Tim Hortons. Where else did we go? Oh, other coffee shops. And so, But we would just pray about it, so we'd be walking on our date and be like, hey, where's the Holy Spirit telling us to go, left or right? And we would practice hearing Holy Spirit together. It'd be like, I'm feeling right. What are you feeling? I'm feeling right too. Awesome. And so we take a right. And it was like so cool because it'd always be like, you know, we would, it would always be confirming like, oh, I was feeling that too. No way. And so it was really confirming and awesome to do that together. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, because I had never met anyone who rolled like that because <laughs> that's what I did. Other than maybe my prophetic friends, Mel and Denise, and I was like, whoa, like this is, to this day, like we're just, we just, it's, you know, and so that's uh, what I was saying is that we're so passionate about being led by the Spirit because we both uh, do that. We both just feel, even in the things that people say, you know, like, why would you pray about something so insignificant? And a lot of people get offended. We're like, no, I mean, actually, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, what does it say? Lean not on your own, own understanding. Trust, acknowledge God in what? All of your ways. Does it say some of your ways? <laughs> all of your ways. Trust in him with all of your heart. Lean not on your understanding. Acknowledge him in all of your ways in what? He will direct your paths. He'll make your path straight. That's the promise. Right? right? And it's acknowledgement. So it's not necessarily like always having to stop and think, but it's always being aware and allowing Holy Spirit to redirect, you know, and just kind of like, okay, Holy Spirit, okay. And it could take that 
you know, a fraction of a second to just double check with Holy Spirit that you're on the right path. And, you know, but it's not this like laborious, like I'm going to pray for 10 minutes before I brush my teeth type of thing. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just taking that second to really acknowledge the Lord in all your ways, if that makes sense. Yeah. We call it, do you feel glory on it? Do you feel glory on it? If we both feel glory, okay, that's the Lord. Um, but that was a foundational scripture and prophetic word I got in 2006. That scripture means so much to me, and I got it again, actually, recent for my dad. But it just reminds me, like, so that's, that's why we're so passionate. What does it mean to be led by the Spirit, right? And so anyway, we, we ended up dating, and we always praying, okay, well, timing, Lord, when do you want us to get married? Everything. Okay, we didn't want to be presumptuous about anything. So the Lord made it clear, eventually, not too long after we started dating, that he wanted us to get married, first of all, at Bethel. Secondly, that it was August 31st, which was a Friday, which makes no sense for marriages. Usually it's Saturday, right? It's like Friday. But anyway, we, we and then I ended up proposing to her. We knew we were getting married because the Lord told us. But uh, San Francisco, you guys heard her story, where the Lord appeared to her over the bay, seven years to the day. We went to San Francisco, and I actually proposed to her there. And if you remember, Jesus appeared to her in a tuxedo. And so it was a really significant time, you know, and significant with all that and stuff. But we wanted a Holy Ghost wedding. That was our heart. We just wanted So we ended up getting married at Bethel. You guys were there. It was a Holy Ghost uh, drunken, Holy Spirit drunk wedding um, with, if you guys know Chuck Perry, He's one of the pastors of the healing rooms in Bethel, and Trisha knew him. And we had Christine DeMarco, if you know her from Jesus Culture, lead worship for 45 minutes. And it was just a Holy Spirit blowout. Chuck Perry, he's a Holy Spirit lush too, was said that night at Bethel, I guess when he was preaching, said he, that was the uh, drunkest wedding he's ever been to, Holy Spirit wedding. You could imagine. So anyway, we, we had it just how we want. It was awesome. But get this. Trisha found out on our wedding day, someone was like, was this intentional? A hairdresser. And she's like, what? She's like, did you know it's a blue moon today? And we were like, I didn't even know that was a real thing. Because you, you hear once in a blue moon. It's actually a thing that only happens every, what, two and a half to four years or something. It means that there's four full moons in a year, two in the same month or something, and the second one's called a blue moon. Hence the phrase, once in a blue moon, it's a rare occurrence. And we actually ended up getting married on the blue moon. It's more than two, uh, so it's two full moons more than four months in a year or something. Yeah. I can't remember exactly. Does anybody know exactly? No? Okay. Yeah. Wikipedia we will go. tell you. But anyway, so a lot of significance, a lot of stuff, and it was awesome. We ended up getting married. We went, uh, did our honeymoon in Napa Valley, which is only a few hours drive from Bethel, and then we did, we started Bethel right after, like a few days after our wedding, second year, so we did the second year of the school together, which was awesome as a new married couple, um, but for me, so I'm telling my side, and Trisha's going to tell, tell more of hers, during the fall there, if any of you know about academics, you typically apply a year in advance to get a job, that's how it works, okay, so around, I remember that is October 16th. I believe, in Bethel at Reading. I was like, okay, the Lord told me I'm going to be a professor or teach psychology for a season in Toronto. I should start looking for a job, okay? And you guys don't know this, but it's like nearly impossible to get a job, <laughs> academic job. Like, it's just, it is, okay? There's a whole bunch of reasons for that. Never mind in Toronto. Like Toronto, U of T, York, your options, 
you don't apply to them, they apply to you. <laughs> like if, if you're a good academic, they approach you, hey, we have this opening, do you want to come? So it's like really hard to get a, a professor tenure track position. But I remember this Tyndale. How many of you heard of Tyndale University College and Seminary? Yeah. Um, I didn't say this, but before I went to Bethel, they had an opening for a tenure track position for psychology. And I was like, Lord, should I apply to this? This is good. He's like, no, go to Bethel. I was like, okay. So I remember that. I'm like, well, I should see if they have a position. It's so rare that they'd have this kind of position. I go to their website that very day. They posted a position for a tenure track for psychology. And the kind of psychology I did, particularly with an expertise in research methods, is what they needed. And I was like, this is crazy. Like, the odds of that are so slim. A Christian university in Toronto where the Lord told me. So I, I, I didn't, but I didn't, I didn't want to be presumptuous. That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? But I was like, I'm not applying right away. I'm going to pray about it. And so I didn't end up applying until the end of November, about a month and some later, because I, I wasn't sure. And then the Lord, I finally felt, okay, now I should apply. And so I did, and it was just... I heard horror stories of interviews. You could imagine how challenging it is to get these kind of jobs. People were warning me left and right how crazy it is. I applied. They called me like the, or the, the, contacted me the next day. I had a phone interview. Then they flew me there to give a lecture and interview and all that stuff. And then I got hired like in a month. Like that is so rare. It was like bam, bam. It was just the Lord. It was just the Lord. And it was kind of funny because I, I was like, man, is this Christian college going to hire me? Because I'm at supernatural school right now. So during my interview, I give this lecture. And then after they had other, everyone leave except the professors, theologians and stuff, who could ask me anything. <laughs> I'll never forget this. One of them was like, so you're at the school of supernatural. Why don't you tell us a bit about your theology? <laughs> so... So I tried to give this middle-of-the-road answer. Like, that would, that would be like, okay, they, they have a grid for this. So, so I said how I grew up Baptist, but it's charismatic Baptist, and then, I, you know, I believe the gifts of the Spirit for today. And then I brought in John Wimber. So I'm like, hey, come on. John Wimber, if anyone's relatable to uh, conservative evangelicals in terms of, like, the gifts and stuff, it's John Wimber, okay? And so I'm like, I really appreciate John Wimber. He had the radical middle thing with the word with, from an evangelical perspective, but also the spirit and how he appealed to, you know, conservative evangelicals. And I guess that answer worked for them. But what's funny is later, I, what, they took me out for dinner and I mentioned that, and he, they're like, you have no idea. That's basically the most extreme thing you could say. Because everyone in Toronto thinks vineyard equals Toronto uh, crazy manifestations. One of the professors there, <laughs> James Beverly, wrote a critique of the revival uh, during the 90s called the Laughing Revival. So they all think vineyard equals craziness. So here I think I'm given a middle-of-the-road answer, and they're like, that's... And, and they still hired me. I was like, wow, this must be the Lord. <laughs> but what's really cool, and the unique thing about Tyndale is they have a lot of Pentecostals there. They have a Pentecostal program, and they just peg me as a Pentecostal. I laugh because when I went there... I, I had this excited uh, <laughs> philosopher. They happened to be Pentecostal. He's like, I hear you're Pentecostal. And I was like, not really. <laughs> I mean, we're kind of cousins maybe. But I told him, like, I'm, you know, vineyard, like Toronto. And, and he's like, oh, and then anyway. But um, so long story short, we end up going to Toronto after Bethel. Just like the Lord said to me, right? 
And, and I always told people, including Trisha, I was like, I have no idea how long that season in Toronto is going to be. I always felt three to five years. That's what I always told Trisha. That's what I always told people. I, th- I don't know for sure, though. And so then we end up in Toronto teaching psychology. And, and uh, the only other thing the Lord told us is that he wanted us to attend the airport church, which catch the fire airport, which we're just like, okay, it makes sense. Did you, sorry, did you want to say some of your stuff right now? Oh, no. Um, why? I just realized I... I oh, no, that's okay. We're, we're going a little later, so I probably won't share much today. But, um, yeah, definitely could do next week or the week after. But I think that, um, you know, a few of the things that I would mention is there's two different kind of ways to hear the Lord. And David, how he's kind of hear, has always heard the Lord is very um, planner in the head, like seeing like 10 years down the road. Now, not everybody does that. And it's not just because you're not, it's just kind of a different prophetic gifting. For me, I always heard a lot more spontaneously. So when I share my story, you'll hear that like when I heard to go to Bethel, it was like go to Bethel School of Ministry like now. Cause I had gone home to seek the Lord and school started in two weeks and I hadn't even applied, right? And like they rejected like 50% of applicants. So it was just like, okay, I'll just move to California in in two weeks, you know? So, you know, the way I've heard the Lord has always been a little bit more spontaneous and, and, but you can hear however, you know, however you want, you seek the Lord. And if you want to hear far ahead, but what's neat is that how God can take two different kind of ways that you hear God, me way more spontaneous. And in the moment he told me to go to Lakeland Revival, you know, he told me to go to that conference before it was a revival. He's like, I want you to go to that conference. And I'm like, how can I go to that conference, God? I'm like on staff at the house of prayer in Kansas city. Like I can't just leave. Like I just got on staff and, and, um, and I was like, okay, you know, and kind of put that in my, my bag and put it on my backpack, you know, to carry with me. But I was just like, I don't know what I'm going to do with that word. And then the revival broke out and it was still going. And then it opened up to where I could go. And then I ended up going for like two months to this conference that was now still going all summer. And so for me, it's like always been like, he'll speak to me prophetic words about my calling and my destiny and like what I'm supposed to do and my gifts and, you know, specific things like that. And he'll speak to me in the moment and more like in the few weeks, uh, you know, ahead of time or, you know, that kind of thing. But it, it coincided with his long term. God spoke to him the long term. Right. But because God, you know, he can bring together this two different kind of giftings and like the more in the moment spontaneous and the more long-term planning. And that's just even our personalities. You know, it's neat how the Lord speaks to you within your personality. It's like, I don't want to know what's going to go on in five years because it's going to stress me out. You know, I'm like, I don't even, just don't even tell me. Like, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there, you know? <laughs> like, and so, but he's like, he wants to know, you know? He wants to be able to plan ahead and prepare and, you know, that kind of thing. And so it's, it's just neat how the Lord kind of speaks to you in your own personality. And so don't expect that it's going to be exactly the same way for you. Um, it could be more spontaneous like it is for me. But definitely hunger and thirst for that perfect will of God. Because if I wouldn't have gone to Lakeland or Bethel, like, I wouldn't have married David. And I wouldn't be here pastoring a church and catch the fire, you know, catch the fire in Ottawa. Like, it, if, if I wouldn't have just obeyed those simple things that the Lord told me very clearly to do, then my destiny and my life would be completely different. You know, it would be so different. And if he wouldn't have obeyed the Lord on those specific things, his life would be completely different. 
And, and so it's so neat that, you know, the power and the impact of, of hearing God's voice and following it. And so from that, you know, that would probably be our main, you know, message from all of this and sharing our testimony of how the Lord has led us as how powerful it is when we just say yes to him. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. That's great. Radical middle. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, you're right. I should try and wrap up. My goodness. How am I going to land this plane right now? <laughs> I'm going to do it. So anyway, we I was teaching at Tyndale, uh, professor of psychology there, and uh, go to the airport church, and then just a, it's just obedience. Like the Lord told us to to volunteer for the ministry team, and so we volunteer for the ministry team on Friday nights and stuff like that. Okay, so nothing like extravagant, but we got to know Sandra Long through that a little bit and all that kind of thing. But the one thing I'll say is this, because you're probably like, well, how did this whole thing with Ottawa happen? And I'll try and just do it quick. About six months, so this is 2014, is around August, September, the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you someday to tell Steve Long the whole thing about how the Lord told me to go to Bethel for a couple years and then teach psychology for a season in Toronto, and then after that would be full-time ministry. He just wanted me to tell him that. But again, timing is so crucial. Timing is, and I knew that. So I'm like, okay. I just had, I shelved it and said, okay, Lord, when the time is right, just tell me when to tell him that. You have to understand, I didn't even know Steve Long, to be honest. He knew me enough to be like, yeah, or, or oh, your wife is on the worship team, or, or you're that lawyer, eh? And I'm like, no. And <laughs> like, just he knew me, but not, you know, just acquaintance. It's a big church, you know. It's a, and so, and we're kind of new. So anyway, six months later, it's so amazing. Oh, if I had time. Jesus, help me. We went to a Joshua Mills Fatine Crisco conference in, in a town not far, Port Hope, I think, or no, Port Perry, Port Perry, about an hour from us at the time. And we went, and, jo- and I'm trying to make this quick now. Oh, Jesus, help me. Okay. We got so blasted. What happened is Joshua Mills told a story about the gold dust. If you guys don't know, Miracle Signs Wonders, this guy's phenomenal. And he, so he tells us the whole story. Then he, he brought a whole bunch of cloths with this gold dust on it. The Lord told him to give it away. So for everyone who wanted one in the conference, he had one. And so we all lined up, and, we all, and then especially Trisha, we got blasted. He gave us one of those prayer cloths, and it was like Holy Spirit, like amazing. Like it was something significant. And if you remember, Fateen spoke in that whole prophetic thing about that song, the song repeated on itself about Canada with David Ruiz. Anyway, there's a whole thing. Yeah, it was like a whole prophetic thing if I had time. But anyway, a week later, Friday night, we're, we're volunteering for the prayer team in Toronto. And Trisha, bless her, brought the prayer cloth. And, and if you don't know, if you're on the prayer team, we meet about 45 minutes before the service to pray for each other, that kind of thing. And Trisha's getting everyone blasted with this prayer cloth. Everyone's getting drunk in the Holy Spirit. And Steve Long happens to be there. He's not usually there because they had Trevor Meyer from Winnipeg guest speaker that night, which is a whole nother thing. Um, and, and everyone's getting blasted. So anyway, during the service, during worship, we're sitting there. And Steve comes and sits beside me, starts talking to me during worship, and he's like talking about Joshua Mills and how they want to have him back. And then he's like, hey, would you guys pray for everybody with that prayer cloth and tell them the story? And we're like, okay. So after worship, he calls us up, and he's like, this is whatever, David and Trish, and and it's a bit of the story. So Trisha tells the story about the prayer cloth. And then he's like, okay, anyone who wants prayer, line up. So about... 80%, 80%, I'd say, of the people came and lined up, and me and Trisha prayed for people, and people were getting blasted in the Holy Spirit. It was awesome. Yeah, they lined up, and we're praying for them. We're at the back, 
Steve Long gets up, is giving announcements while we're just getting blasted and everything. And he says, hey, by the way, we're starting a church in Ottawa. But we don't have pastors. We're just doing it by faith because the Lord has been speaking to John Arnett about it for years. And we've been filling the deal. But we're just going to go and do it and believe God for pastors. And the Lord speaks to me and says, this is the night. I want you to tell Steve Long that. Six, like about six months later. So I go to Trish. I'm like, Trish, I think this is the night I'm supposed to tell Steve that. She's like, I feel that too. So anyway, after the service, we, we, like, again, I don't really know Steve. I'm like, Steve, can I talk to you? He's like, sure. We talk. I tell him that. And all he says is like, well, you, should, you guys should come up with me and Trisha. We're doing monthly meetings in Ottawa, or Sandra, rather. Come up with us. And we're like, okay, that's for the second meeting. Well, they actually said that they kind of had another couple in mind yeah. um, for the pastoring. And we were like, oh, no, we're not necessarily, oh, you know, right. we didn't want to. But um, he told us later, Steve Long told us later, way after this fact, that he felt in that moment right then that we were the pastors yeah. of Catch the Fire Ottawa. So. Yeah, thank you. I should say that I told him, I don't want to be presumptuous. I'm not saying we're the pastors. Maybe there's a connection down the road that we're going to attend that church. Or something. Like I, I made it really clear, like, I'm not saying we're the pastors. I just wanted you to know that. So we went, so, oh, man, if we had time, that whole month was so prophetically significant in a whole bunch of ways. But, we, but the Holy Spirit told us both independently that they're going to treat that trip as an interview. So we kind of thank God the Holy Spirit prepares. They didn't tell us that. <laughs> so we drive all the way up to Ottawa with Steve and Sandra to do the second monthly meeting. Some of you were there. How many were there? Yeah. And, and, and after about an hour or two, we're talking our testimony and stuff, and Steve's like, well, you don't know this, but we're actually treating this as an interview. <laughs> and both of her and I were like, yeah, the, Lord, <laughs> the Holy Spirit told us. But Anyway, it must have been the Lord, because within a week and a half after that meeting, they called us, interviewed, like, took us out for dinner. Are you guys still interested? Yeah, yeah. And we're like, yes. I mean, it's the Lord. He, I mean, he's been so clear for years about the ministry in Ottawa, and this makes so much sense and everything. And so a whole long story short, here we are today. Yeah, amen. Amen. God is good. And you see, like, you don't, you just, you, you, you obey. He reveals you obey. You shelve things for timing. You obey when it doesn't make sense. And he makes it all work out. Right? Because I could have just a whole bunch of time both of us said, that doesn't make sense. But, the, but it doesn't matter. If the Lord's telling you to do it, you do it. And, and we are such huge advocates of it because you see in our own lives, that was, believe it or not, the short, ver a short version of the story, over and over and over and over again, when the Lord said to do something, even when it made no sense, you do it. He opens the door. And then beyond what you can ask or imagine. Yeah. Right? And so this whole thing, this whole thing about being led by the Spirit, about you guys might be wondering, why are you talking about the Holy Spirit so much this year? Uh, you know, like I, I, this whole series. This is why. Because life in the Spirit is what Christianity is all about yeah. from a biblical perspective. After we're saved, that's how we live now, led by the Spirit. We're the children of God. Romans 8, 14. Galatians 5, 13 through 6, 10. It's all about being led by the Spirit. And so from a personal level, uh, from us individually, we know it. Yeah. Like, you know it because from experience, like, this is it. This is, this is how it should be. Now, not to say we're any examples of this, but I just mean if you're led by the Spirit, this is what happens. Life is an adventure. That's how important it is. And so my passion, like when people are like, hey, what's God's will? I always give them like Colossians 1, 9 through, pray this, 9 through 14. 
Because it's the Holy Spirit who reveals his will. Being led by the Spirit. So if it's anything, again, we wanted to share this partly because some people don't know how did this all happen, why you passed Ottawa, everything. That's just a short version of what happened. But also our passion for intimacy with God, communion with God, the importance of hearing God's voice, being led by the Spirit uh, in our own lives was the, is the key, is the key. Yeah. And, and I thank God. I mean, like Trisha was saying, we, like, we wouldn't have met if we didn't do that. And so you wonder, like, man, like, you know, you just, you really just got to pray about it and, and be led and everything. Yeah. Yeah. And just a uh, final comments, I would say just, you know, you have to be willing to kind of do whatever with your life and, and really surrender everything um, to God and surrender what you think that you want in life and what you think, you know, um, God wants to give you or even who you think you are or even what you think your giftings are because they might not be what God sees. And, and his perfect will for your life really is the best. Like, it really is the best, even if sometimes it seems hard or seems not perfect or whatever it is. Like, it really is the best. And in the long run, you see over the time span of your life how God has orchestrated things. And as you have obeyed him and done what he said, even when it didn't make sense, how he, he leads you to this beautiful pasture, you know, and, and it restores your soul. It's amazing. It's amazing to see how God leads like that and and so we just wanted to encourage you with that and um we just want to pray for you so if you guys want to close your oh did you have something else i yeah. just want to say uh trisha has a whole amazing story about this too that we are hoping to share today but time is i guess but but just so you know like the lord spoke to her about canada in different ways through prophetic visions that she had interpreted with Bob Jones and stuff, like, amazing. So ask her, if you're not going to share, I don't know if you are in the future, ask her some of her stories about and how it all made sense when we got together, like, wow, Canada, like, you know, uh, there's a lot to it. So anyway, I kind of shared my side of the story today, but make sure you hear Trisha's too. It's awesome. He's so sweet. All right, so let's pray. Everyone just close your eyes. I just, while you have your eyes closed, I just want to tell you, I did, I had a dream this morning, and, and in the dream I was... Uh, singing this song, I was in a church, and and there was a song that was going on, and it was it was finally, um, I give you my life, and I just kept singing it. It was like, finally, I give you my life, and I just over and over and over, and I just was weeping in the presence of God, just this place of surrender. And I just feel like that's, you know, what he has for all of us is that we, we give God our life. That when we uh, open up ourselves to obey him, it's like he can have everything. So, God, we just, we just give you our lives today here. We just want you to have your way in our lives, God. We give you everything, all of our dreams, all of our hopes, all of our own plans. And we give you permission right now to change them, to, to totally uh, turn them inside out and upside down. God, we just thank you that your will is perfect. And God, I just ask you to speak to each and every one of us where we have had dreams or visions in our heart that, that were good, but they weren't the best. They weren't exactly what you had in store for us. And allow us to just completely come into alignment with your will. And I just ask to encourage each and every person right now in this room that they can hear from God, that even if they haven't heard from God in the past like this, that they absolutely can, that it's a gift for every believer to hear from God. We just encourage them in that place to not feel bad if they haven't heard from God in this way, but that we're all growing and we're just works in progress. 
And God, I just thank you so much that you're going to continue to speak to everyone here and just ask that you would help us as a family to encourage one another to follow the perfect will of God, no matter if it makes sense or not. In Jesus' name, amen.